talks about there's times you're going to have to forgive. Even when you don't want to forgive. You're going to have to even give when you don't want to give. But the blessings are always in the doing. That's where the blessings are at. They're in the doing of the word. And so, you know, I just want to tell you today. In the kingdom of God, there are no drive through breakthroughs. You're going to walk out the things of God and live them. And so a lot of times people will say, well, I want to change or I want change, but I really don't want to change. I want change, but I really don't want to change. In other words, you know, I don't want to go through the things to get me there, or the cost to get me there. But you know, even today, you can wear a uh, Tom Brady jersey, and guys, that's not going to make you Tom Brady. I hate to tell you that. You can sleep in that dude for the next week. You're not going to throw the ball like Tom Brady. But a lot of times as believers, we have that mentality that we just show up and go through the motions and play Christianese and God's just going to move. Well, I hate to disappoint you today, but that's not how it goes. And so I want to encourage you today in some areas upon this fast as we close it. 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 9. And it says, For a great and effective door has opened to me. One translation says, A great and effective window of opportunity. And so for every one of us in this room, I believe that God is opening windows of opportunity. There's things that are coming that, that are there right now, and some of them will break forth this year. I believe that's why it's so significant that we started the year by fasting. That it's the first, the first month of the year, and I believe it'll set our tone spiritually for us for the entire year. But right here, the Apostle Paul, he says there's a great and effective or a wide door of opportunity that is open but look at the last part of that verse. And it says, and there are many adversaries. Many adversaries. Many troubles. You know, when you see the word adversaries, that means there's going to be some adversity. That means there's going to be some, some opposition that's going to try to come against us. But I think Paul's telling us, just because there's great opportunities coming, you're going to have to keep on keeping on. You're going to have to remain steadfast. You're going to have to remain persistent. Actually, Proverbs 12, 27 says that diligence is man's precious possession. And so what am I telling you here to start out with, guys? Well, we've been fasting and praying, and some of you may have experienced breakthrough. Man, we've had some great testimonies about breakthrough. But if you haven't, don't quit. Don't give up. I mean, remain steadfast, remain diligent, and understand, God's going to get us there. He's going to get you there if you'll just hang tight and keep believing Him and trusting Him. Because the things of God aren't always achieved by doing them once or overnight. King David said this in Psalm 34, 19. He said, many, 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 many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So I'm warning you right there, there's going to be some times, there's going to be some affliction, some opposition in your life. But the last part of that verse, it says, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. That continually to hang on to the things of God, continue to be diligent, to seek God, pray, be persistent. And I believe this is what God's wanting to talk to us about today, is to keep on keeping on. Hang tough to what you're praying about.
Just because you may have not had a breakthrough doesn't mean God's not done. Now go with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 5. Ezekiel chapter 5. Or not Ezekiel, let's go to Exodus 5, excuse me. Genesis, then Exodus. Exodus 5, right there in the first of your Bible. And as you're turning there, I, I think about throughout the Bible how men and women, believers, had great, great doors of opportunity open to them. And you think about one named Joseph. And Joseph has this great dream, this great wide door of opportunity open when he's 17. And Joseph probably has in the back of his mind, man, this is all going to go down right now. I'm fixing to just be, be on fire with the things of God, the things he's put in my dreams. And then all of a sudden, he's wanted to be killed by his brother. He's sold as a slave. Then on top of that, he ends up in the prison. And it would have been very easy through all the affliction, all the adversity, for him to give up and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. But he didn't. He kept serving God in some of the worst conditions possible. And you know what? 12, 13 years later, he began to walk in those. Now, I'm not telling you it's going to be 12 or 13 years later. I don't know that. You don't know that. But what if it was? Would you keep serving God? Would you keep being persistent? Now, right here in this passage, the, the Israelites are in severe bondage. And so God says, I've got to raise up for me a leader. So he raises up this guy named Moses. And he tells Moses some instructions on what he wants him to do. Now, look with me in, in chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and they told the Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, these were the instructions that God told Moses. You go tell the Pharaoh this. Now, for Moses to stroll into the presence of the Pharaoh and say, God said, let my people go, it took two very, very key ingredients for him to do that. Number one, he had to be very courageous. I mean, guys, he, he could have lost his life right there. Number two, and this is a big one, that he did it with faith. He stepped out and he said, this is what Father God said, so I'm going to do it. Now, listen, this is big for each one of us, that we continue to live courageous, that we step out in faith and we say, Father God said this. I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm going to believe what Father God told me. Now, in this passage, I really wonder... If when God told him to tell the Pharaoh this, if Moses didn't have in the back of his mind, Pharaoh was going to look at him and say, well, if that's what God said, then okay, here you go, to take it. But that wasn't so, guys. It didn't happen like that a bit. And so guess what Pharaoh, or guess what Moses has to do? He has to begin to walk out the very things God promised, just like me and you. Verse number 2. And the Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? In other words, who you think, or do you think your God so mighty that I must obey Him? Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I don't, I've never heard of this guy. Nor will I let Israel go. And so I think he's telling him there, Even if I did know your God, I'm still not going to let him go. So right here, Moses gets the defiance of the Pharaoh. Now right then it would have been easy for him to look and said, time out, wait a minute God, you promised me all these things, what's going on? Verse 3. 
So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. That's awesome right there. You know why he said the God of the Hebrews has met with us? Because God himself told him that in Exodus 3.18. He said, when you go in and you talk to the Pharaoh, you tell him, the God of the Hebrews. I like that. And you know why? Because it doesn't say the God of the, the, the Muslim, the God of the Hindu, the God of the Buddhist. It specifies the God of Israel, the God of the Hebrews. And I want to make that a point today. That is the only God, guys. There is no other God. All the other ones that say they're God, they're counterfeit. The only way to heaven is through the Son, through our Father's only begotten Son. And so that's why I'm making a big deal on that, that we honor the God of the Hebrews. That's why it's big, the heritage we get from Israel. Keep reading. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go there, three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Now, when he talks about falling on them with the pestilence and the sword, he's not talking about the Israelites. He's telling that to the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and he said, listen, buddy, this is what's going to happen to you mess with our God. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And the Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So you know what he's telling him? He said, listen, buddy, you two are nothing but a nuisance. You're a bunch of troublemakers. And so when all this happens, look what the Pharaoh does after that to the children of Israel in verse 6. So the same day the Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quote of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. So what he's telling them here is, it's gotten worse. What Moses did, he caused everything to be worse. Instead of a breakthrough here, now they're in hot water. Now they're experiencing a bunch of hardships. And so many times that's what happens to us. We're expecting a breakthrough, but instead this is what happens. Pick up with me in verse 20, same chapter. Then as they came out from the Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge you because you have made us abhorned in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand and kill us. Now this is what the children of Israel are saying. You go in there to get us set free and, and what's the results? We stink. We're a stench to, to the Pharaoh. And not only that, they want to kill us. And so now here, Moses goes in and he thinks, man, I got this great wide door of opportunity. I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell them what God says and everything's going to be great. But in the flip side, it's just the opposite. And so now, not only is, is the Pharaoh upset with him, even the people are. Now look what Moses does in verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? In other words, I step out in faith to obey you, and the result is turmoil. The result is, is of opposition and chaos. That's what he's saying here. 
He goes on to say, For since I came to the Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in this situation. Moses acts like a lot of us. How many of you have ever stood before God and said, What's up? What's up, God? What's up? And I believe that's what Moses is doing right here. He's saying, and Father God, I've done everything you asked me to do. And look at the results here. Look what's going on. But I want you to notice something here. Starting in verse 6, God's response to all this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to the Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Now, what all was going on there with Moses is the same thing that happens to me and you many times. You know what it is? The devil tries to bring opposition against us to cause us to quit, to cause us to give up, to, cause, to, to get over in doubt and unbelief. That's what it's all designed for. And I want to tell you a scripture today, and you need to get this in you. Write this down. Hebrews 6.12 says, Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Now, when I read that, faith and patience, that didn't say it's going to be overnight, okay? And so right here, God is reestablishing in Moses' heart what he's going to do. Now, these next few verses, I want you to notice how many times the phrase, I will, appears. Verse 6. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. I will take you as my people. I will be your God, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Now when you start seeing these I am's and I wills, you know what you can say to that? You can go to the bank on that. Because Father God's going to do that. Now the thing I must tell you though, it won't always be on your timetable. God's timetable is totally different than ours. Why is that? Because everything God views at, God views it from eternal eye. How long is eternity? Forever. God's got forever. Now, in this passage here, after this takes place, you remember what happens? He goes and he tells the Pharaoh, do this or this is going to happen. Remember, he ends up having to do that on ten different occasions. What am I telling you? Just keep being persistent. Keep being diligent. Moses got in his heart, God's going to do what he said. So he goes and tells the Pharaoh, and because the Pharaoh's heart is so hard, he doesn't change. And so then he comes back and he tells him again, and you know all the curses or the judgments that came on him. My point in telling you that is today, when God starts moving on this earth, many times to change certain situations, he's got to deal with people's hearts. 
The problem with that is sometimes people's hearts are hard. And so what he starts doing, he starts taking a chisel and starts pecking on them. And before long, they begin to understand. Man, if I don't do what God's asked me, this is what's going to take place. So I'm telling you today, don't put a timetable on, on things. Don't begin to think, what's up, God? Did you not hear me? It's not, it is not, none of this working. See, if you've been fasting and praying and you've been, just hang tough. God knows what's going on. He's, he's not up there taking naps. I'm going to tell you that right now. Heaven is still well. Heaven is good. The angels still got robes. The lights are still on. They're still paying the electric bill in heaven. I promise you. God's still on the throne. But because our impatience, because so many times, we live in an instant society. What will happen after church? Some of you will say, man, we've got to get something quick to eat. Go through a drive through Some of you are going to need money. You go to an ATM. You push it in. And so what happens in our society? Now, God, now. Go with me to Isaiah 49. Isaiah chapter 49. I want to show you some things in here. And so what happens here with the Israelites? They had to go through some things. They had to hang tough. You know, as, as you look through the Scripture, Isaiah 49 is where we're going. As you look through the Scripture, pay, pay close notes at time to, or pay close attention to when people begin to pray, how long it took them before the prayers were actually answered many times. Same as David. One of my favorite passages there in, in 1 Kings 18, when there was a man named Elijah. And it hadn't rained in their land for three years. And so the Lord told him, pray. And, and the scriptures say specifically that he knelt on the ground, he stuck his head between his legs, and he began to pray to God that it would rain. And so he had a little servant boy, and he said to the servant boy, he said, listen, I want you to go up there on that top of the mountain. I want you to look out, and I want you to see if you see any clouds. And so the little messenger boy, he runs up there, and he comes running back down, and he tells Elijah, I don't see nothing. Now, in this passage, Elijah didn't look and say, ah, this faith stuff, it never works. Stupid even praying to a God. He never hears anyhow. No, you know what he did? He prayed a little longer. And you know what he said to the little messenger? Go look again. Go look again. The little messenger board takes off and he comes back and he says, I don't see nothing. He does this again the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. And nothing. And then he tells the little messenger boy, do it again the seventh time. And the little messenger boy says, listen, Elijah, you've been smoking too much dope. There ain't no clouds. There's nothing. And Elijah says, go, go. And so he goes up there and he comes back and he says, there's a cloud the size of the hand in the ocean. Now, can you see this big in the size of the ocean? That would mean be dropping a little... A little a uh, piece of icing or something down here where you couldn't even see it here. But that, and you know what Elijah did when he said that? He was so thrilled. He's like, yes. And he said, go tell Ahab to Arab, get his rain boots on. Get your clothes. It's fixing to rain. And it did. And when I read those, you know what I see? I see a persistence that rose up in those guys. And they say, my daddy promised and there's times there's going to be opposition that comes against what our fathers promised. But he says, I will. I will. Isaiah 49, verse number 8. Thus says the Lord, 
in an acceptable time, I have heard you. Now, I'm going to highlight that word, in an acceptable time. The One translation, the Amplified or the Message says, in a favorable time. In an acceptable time, I've heard you. Now, right there, he's telling me. It's not on your timetable. On your timetable, it's on mine. But God's reassuring him. I've heard you, buddy. I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've been faithful to help you. I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to keep you. And I'm going to give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritage. That you may say to the prisoners, go forth. In other words, he said, I've heard everything. You You tell the ones that are in prison or in bondage or something, guess what? Today's the day. You get to go forth. He goes on to say next, and those who are in darkness, show yourself. In other words, you've been cleansed from darkness. They shall feed along the roads, and their pasture shall be on all desolate heights. They shall neither hunger nor thirst. Nor neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even the prisoners of water, or even the springs of water, he will guide them. Now when I look at all these, you know what you see? Promises, promises, promises. And then you know what happens? Absolutely nothing. Nothing changes. Actually, things seem to have gotten worse instead of better. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Where you begin to look and say, Golly, when I started fasting and praying, it seemed like everything went from bad to worse to worse to worse. Don't quit, guys. Don't quit. I want to show you some things there. Same chapter, verse 14. Now get this. But Zion has said, The Lord has forsaken me. He's abandoned me. And my Lord has forgotten me. Where's God at? Can't a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Now, it's interesting here that he uses the analogy here as, as, a, as a mother has her infant baby. Would she turn from that baby? I mean, that's her prize. That's the, that's the possession of her life right now. And you know what he says? She could still forget. Surely she, you know why? Because we're humans. But look at the next statement. Yet I will not forget you. I will not forget you. That verse is cross-referenced there into Romans eleven twenty nine. Romans eleven twenty nine says, The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. In other words, the things that God has spoken and said for each one of us, you know what? There's a warranty on them. God is not going to rescind any of the things He's promised. Now get ready. Verse 16. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. I have inscribed you. I have imprinted you on the palms of my hands. I have tattooed you on the palms of my hands. This is what Father God said. And you know how he backs that up? In the New Testament, for me and you as believers of, of the New Testament covenant, he backs them up. 
through a man named Jesus Christ. And every time that Jesus goes before the Father on on behalf of me and you, and Jesus says, uh, uh, he makes a, 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 a he makes a prayer for me and you, and he says, "Here's David Burns. What can you tell me about him?" And you know what Jesus does? He holds up his hands, and you know what's in his hands? Those nail prints. And on David's behalf, on your behalf, on my behalf, you know what those nail prints say? It is finished. The plan of redemption for every one of us has been finished. Jesus has paid the price. And so not only am I imprinted on God's hand, I'm imprinted in the kingdom of heaven forever because those scars on His hands. You've been bought. You've been paid for. And because of what Jesus did, you just begin to say, Man, I thank you today, Father God. I'm tattooed on your heart. And when God, uh, or in his handprints, and when God tattoos you on his handprints, he doesn't tattoo on there, loser. He says, That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. And remember what he said in the previous verse? I do not forget. I don't forget. He said there, Verse 16, or verse 17 again, or 16. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. No matter what's going on, guys, God's not going to leave us or forsake us. I want you to go one more scripture with me. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. See, there's been some breakthroughs, guys. There's going to be more breakthroughs. Cling to these. God hadn't forgotten you. God won't forget you. Don't become discouraged. Don't become distracted. Remain diligent and say, Father God, I'm going to hold fast. The very things I've been praying for, the very things I've been seeking for the last 21 days, Father God, you're faithful. I'm trusting in you. You know, many of you will know uh, Irene and Adon. Irene was pregnant and she had her baby last night. Or yesterday, yesterday morning. But she had a little girl. And so we got up there and we started talking to her. And she said, oh, pastor, she said, we've had so many breakthroughs. So many breakthroughs. She said, I had a sister that we'd quit communing together. We, we didn't talk. We didn't do nothing. And she said, God has restored all that just this month. And she said, I don't know that people know how significant it is for me to have a baby. But she used to suffer from these things called seizures. And so she's on all kinds of medication for those. And, and they basically told her, you, you can't get pregnant and you'll never have children. And she said last night that a year ago at Mother's Day when Shelly was speaking, Shelly said, if there's any ladies in here that you've never had children but you desire to, I want to pray for you. Well, Irene was one of those who stood up that day. And you know what? Here we are in January and she had a little baby girl. I'm telling you guys, they were so fired up from God. I left there so blessed. Been around. You know what they said? They said they've been sitting around talking about God all evening. And she said, you know what? We both decided we need more of a fear of God in us. And I looked and I thought, oh my gosh. What a heart. What an appetite. I want more of the fear of God in me. But see, I tell you that to tell you, God is doing things. 
God's doing great things. We had one lady who was in the first service here. Man, they've been fasting and praying and standing. And she came down right here last Wednesday night and she said, God is moving in my family. God is moving in my marriage. And so there are good things. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God. In other words, these guys were complaining and whining, and he's saying, God looked over me. God doesn't care about me. How many of you have ever thought that or said that? Probably every one of us in this room at one time or another. Well, listen to what goes on here. Verse 28. He's saying this to God. Have you not known God? Have you not heard? Do you not listen? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. See, the waiting of the Lord is a persistence. The Amplified says, he who expects and looks. That's what it says for he who waits on the Lord. He who expects and looks for the Lord. Let me ask you right now. What are you expecting? What are you looking for? This is what this means. That we're not just to sit around and cross our legs and sip our lattes and sing kumbaya. He's saying that when we wait on the Lord, we're to wait with an expectancy and say, Man, my my God's moving. He's moving. He's moving. And some of you say, He's not moving. Well, you got to get out of the boat and walk on the water, guys. Quit living by doubt and unbelief. Start believing the Scriptures. You're never going to walk on the water until you get out of the boat. What do I mean by that? Well, the boat's comfortable. It's easy to sit in the boat and criticize and complain. But when you're the one who gets out and walk, starts walking on the water, that's where the blessings are at. But you know what to walk on the water? It's going to take some trust. It's going to take a lot of trust. But what a promise here. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up with wings like eagles. You know why that's so significant? Because you know how high up eagles fly? 30, 40,000 feet. You know what that means? When we soar like the eagles, we get up there close with God. We're hanging out with God. And you know what? When you hang out with God like that, your view of everything is you're looking down on everything. And you can tell the devil, you're under my feet. You're under my feet. And he goes on to say, they shall mount up with wings like his. They'll run and not weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, then here today, I'm going to stir you up here today. Now, some of you got to keep running. Keep running, keep running. And, and make it in your heart. You know what? I'm going to run all year. I'm a, 2012 is going to be the year spiritually I'm going to run like never before. And, and you know what God promised? You're not going to grow weary. You're not going to faint. As long as you keep seeking him. See, the problem is this. You can't drive a parked car. What do you mean, Pastor? Some of you got to get it in gear. Kick it into gear. And get to moving and start using your faith and start believing God and saying, man, I'm going to tell you, 
If Moses stood and he stood and he, and he kept going back to the Pharaoh 12 times. And if Elijah could do what he did. And if David trusted and believed God. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to begin to seek God. I don't care if it happens today or tomorrow. You know what? I know my God's faithful and he's going to do it. And I can stand before you today, guys. There's things in my life I've literally believed for 20, 30 years of my life. And some of them I'm still not walking in. But I hadn't punted on them and say, but God. You know what it does to me? It challenged me. Say, so, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to believe God. Stand on your feet with me today. We've been praying in here and praying in here and praying and just saturating these altars here with the anointing of God. And the reason I believe God wants us to do, because there's a couple promises in Isaiah 58. And I believe the Lord's wanting even to release some of that in here today. And the first one, He said, your healing will spring forth speedily. And I said, I thank you, Father God. You're the God who heals. The same yesterday, today, and forever. See, when people tell me, oh, no, 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 you missed it. You missed it. God doesn't heal anymore. Well, my paraphrased edition of that is I tell them, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because I've seen what God's done in my own life. I got a brother that he's 53. When he was seven, he had cancer of the clavicle. He has no collarbone. The guy who'll be on the video here in a minute, the men of iron, the real ugly one. That's him. I can say that because he's my brother. But they said he'll never live outside his teenage years. Ever. He won't get past them. He's done with sports. He's done with everything. He's still here. He's still here. And, I, and, and I've seen lumps on him. I've seen lumps on his chest the size of golf balls. And when we saw those one night in his office, he had six men and he said, Boys, you want to see God move? He said, you guys come down here and lay hands on me. And we went down there and he said, fill those. And I thought, I don't need to fill that. I know what that is. I've seen that. We laid hands on him. We prayed the prayer of faith. And you know what? Six weeks later, he strolled in. There's nothing on him. It's gone. So don't tell me God doesn't still heal. I've seen it. I've, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it, guys. And so speeding, or the healing speedily. That's been our prayer. That man, I'm telling you today, listen, if you've got sickness in your body, anything that says sickness and disease, you know, in Philippians 2, 9, God said, I bestowed a name that's above any name on him. And that name of Jesus is better than, it's better than uh, American Express. You know why? Because it's good in heaven, it's good in hell, and it's good on earth. That's what the Bible said. And so I don't care if you got a sore throat, that's under the name of Jesus. I don't care if you got cancer, diabetes. And you said, oh, Pastor, we've been believing God. We're believing God. You know what? If you want us to lay hands on you and anoint you today and pray the prayer of faith, that's James 5. We'll do it. Come on down here. Make your way down here. Don't hesitate. Man, if this was the prices right, and I said, Billy Bob, you're the next kid, you guys would be screaming. Ah! But we talk about getting blessed in church and we sit around like, oh God, why don't we do that? There's some that are coming. They're coming running. Amen, 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 amen. Come on down here. Praise the Lord. And all I'm asking you is, is get your faith out there. Hook out there. And if you out there don't have any faith, you know what I'm going to tell you? Put it in neutral. What's that mean? Just shut up. And that's, that's in the Greek. That's sweet. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, I realize there's people down here right here that, man, I'm telling you, they need a touch of God. I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe God today. We've been praying down here in these altars. And I said, yes, yes, yes. You know what I think? I, I mean, when I got up today, I said, you know what was going to happen today, Lord? For your glory. For your glory, Father God. We get to lay hands on the sick today and watch them recover. I mean, I get charged out of this, guys. This is a lot better than the NFL playoffs today, I promise you. This stuff's eternally. Amen. Now listen, guys. Uh, I, I want you guys to stretch your hands out here. I want you to stretch your hands out before them. And um, just, just you ones that are on our prayer team. If you're here today and you're on our prayer team and you know who you are, I need you guys. As many we got down here, I'm going to let you anoint them with oil too. Now listen, you guys who are down here, guess what today is? Today is Christmas in January. What do you mean, Pastor? Just receive. I'm telling you, when they lay hands on you, you just say, okay, Father God, you said that, that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been made whole. That's 1 Peter 2, 24. Isaiah 8, 17, uh, or Isaiah 53, 5, Matthew 8, 17. Every one of those, those are three reference for you right there. And so we're going to believe God. 